Hi, I'm Steven. And I'm Sneha. And you're listening to Spilling, Spilling the, the Tea, Tea with CCE. CCE. This podcast features fellows at Hofstra University's Center for Civic Engagement as they talk about a wide range of topics from current events to social movements, as well as issues that affect our daily lives. From healthcare to mental health, nothing is off the table. This podcast was created in spring 2020 to continue the conversations we had on campus in a virtual way, and we're so happy to have you here, spilling the tea with us. Even though Hofstra CCE is now back to running in-person programming, we had such a positive experience with this podcast that is now a permanent part of CCE operations. Now, let's spill the tea. Hello, welcome to another episode of Spilling the Tea with CCE. I am senior CCE fellow Steven, and I'm here with... Uh, also senior CCE fellow Sinjita. And today we'll be talking about masking in a quote-unquote post-COVID society. So, where would you like to start? Well, I guess I think it's important to just sort of frame the situation. So, for me, I'm disabled, I'm high-risk, immunocompromised, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I'm a sociology major with a minor in disability studies. So, a lot of what I've done over the past few years throughout the pandemic has been, like, study mm. society and disability within that. And so... A lot of this stuff is like not just my own lived experience, but also like what I've been learning about in classes, whether it may not be like explicitly about COVID, but like in a lot of ways intertwines. Right. And I've done like research on COVID through the disability lens. And I wrote a blog post last semester, which will be linked about, you know, what it's like to be high risk in a pandemic at a university. And so I think a lot of that is thinking about the fact, especially now, when we've sort of gotten into this point in the pandemic where people are referring to it as a post-COVID society and, you know, back when the pandemic was happening and a lot of that rhetoric, it's rough because it's like, you know, like I'm high risk and I'm still here. (laughs) And there's other students who are like, we're here, we're still here. And I think people just don't want to see that because it's a reminder of the fact that whether they just, you know, don't care anymore, it's not important to them, like that, like there are people who are still affected and that contradicts the the ideology that they have or that they want to put out. And so I think it's hard to see that and to not feel like it's like you know a personal thing like for me it's like my safety like i don't i don't want to put myself at danger but for a lot of people they don't see it that way and i think that's pretty rough to like witness on as wide of a scale it is at the university yeah i think it's different for me because like i myself am not immunocompromised but my mom is so i'm constantly thinking about like oh my gosh i can't get sick because i can't get sent home because if i get sent home it's just more like that my mom is going to get sick and if my mom gets sick that'll be really dangerous so i definitely don't think we're post-covid yet we're not even anywhere close but people would like to think we are and are doing things that are definitely not helping the situation no definitely and i think like you know there's a lot of people who were masking up until pretty recently and have stopped because they're fatigued and on one hand, like, I, I don't want to blame them because, like, I get it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. individuals should not have to hold the burden, like, the personal responsibility for fixing a public health crisis when, like, that's not something that, like, individuals can fix. Like, that's something that needs to be collectively, like, through policy and mandates and, right. like, culture, and that's just not the case right now. But at the same time, like, you know, we can also do things to make spaces safer as individuals. And it, it's rough to see how little that has continued to persist, especially like this semester. I feel like I'm one of maybe three people in a space wearing a mask, which it's hard. Yeah. I don't wear a mask like typically, but if somebody asked me to, I would have no problem doing it. And I know I felt something coming on at the beginning of the semester and I wear masks for two weeks. So I was like, I don't want anybody else to get what I'm having right now. Like that's not fair. So I think a lot of this people are just selfish to say the least. And they just would rather themselves not want to do anything to help other people 
Yeah, and I think what you're saying is a good example of like, how do you make personal decisions that keep others safe when you think you're potentially a risk to them? And I think like, as we move into, not that we're there, but when we move into more of a post-COVID society, I think it's things like that, where you're, maybe you don't wear a mask all the time, but when you're in situations where you're in a large group of people, maybe that's a moment where you wear a mask, or if you're like in an airplane, maybe that's a moment you wear right. a mask, or if you feel sick, like, I think those are the types of things that we can do collectively to like keep people safe, even though sort of the government and society has like a us. Um, but I do think it's it's rough when like we're in spaces like classrooms or like absolutely it's like it's not I can't just not go to class you know like I have to be in class and it sucks because for a long time my my argument was like well you know I don't get to not go to class so like I should feel safe in class but then I, I thought about it and it's like I should be able to be in other spaces too like exactly. I'm not going out partying but like even if I did like I still just deserve the right to, to yeah, do that be able safely. to do that safely without right. risk of like catching something right and it's rough because it's like you know at a point when we still had a mask mandate or people were masking more often like I felt safer being around friends unmasked because I was like well I know most of the time that you're in interactions with other people, you're not being exposed constantly. But now it's sort of like, I don't really know that I feel safe, you know, being around people. Like I, I do with some of my close friends, like when we're in rooms or if we're in like a dorm, but I'm constantly thinking about how dangerous it, it could be because everyone is interacting with everyone and there's no acknowledgement that like COVID is still around. And it's if people want to do it. And I know I've had people in classes that are like coughing and hacking with no mask. And it's just like, what are you what are you doing exactly like, please help yourself and everyone else like if you're sick they specifically say still you do not have to come if you're sick you're allowed to stay right and get an excused absence and you'll be fine or if you're sick just wear a mask i feel like it's not that hard and wear a mask correctly i would say because there's definitely during the pandemic everybody's wearing a mask but it's under your nose it's under your nose it's helping no one you might as well wear no mask at all especially like, it's not at, making a difference especially at this point in the pandemic where like there really is no place where you're required to wear a mask it's like we're also like four three four years into it like how do you not know how to wear it properly yeah, and they're like it's uncomfortable and well you would have adapted if you wore it right the first time but right. you didn't want to wear it correctly at the beginning and so now here we are and I think it's really, it's really interesting because a lot of the messaging that we're getting from news media, that we're getting from university, from other institutions, is that like COVID is over and nobody's getting COVID. And it's like, well, maybe the fact that the university stops testing people consistently for COVID is why we think there's no COVID because we're not keeping track. Right. Maybe the fact that the CDC like changed their metrics by which they measure COVID to be reflective of hospital strain as opposed to actual cases of COVID. So we have this like map that they're circulating that's like green where there's no COVID, but there is a account on Twitter called the People CDC. And mm. what they've been doing is checking that like original math that they were using, which is still on the internet. It's just, they've made it very difficult to find, but they have a direct link and you can look at it and it's red. Like the whole country is red because <laughs> yeah. there's high rates of COVID, but we're just ignoring it. And you know, I think there's an argument to be made that hospital strain like could give us some indication and I'm not disputing that, but I think that a lot of us are sort of, I often feel that I'm living in like an alternate reality where like, <laughs> I'm the only one who seems to be concerned and like, I want to like go home on the train and I'm on the train wearing my N95 mask like have a panic attack because I'm like I don't know these people are like hacking and coughing yeah. like I don't know where they've been I don't know where we are like I think there's just certain things with like public transit or like airplanes or like if you're going to be in a confined space with people for a long period of time like maybe those are 
places where we should consider like no. choosing to wear a mask or and choosing this to is consider. like the most dangerous time like it's one getting cold and two people are traveling back home to places they have not been in months so like they're not their antibodies aren't sent to that type of environment again so the winter is always a scary time for the flu all sorts of bacterial strains because like this is when it, this is when the spikes happened like when we were in peak covid i'll put quotation marks around it because i feel like we still are there but like when we were in peak covid like that's why we went home during thanksgiving and didn't come back after it's because they knew if we came back it would have been a hot mess right and i think like i've been hearing a lot of this rhetoric recently because there's such a high level of like children who are now hospitalized with like rsv and like covid and all these other, like the flu and it's stuff where people make this argument and i heard this recently where they're like well you know i wore a mask throughout the whole pandemic and i didn't get covid once and now i'm not wearing a mask and i didn't get covid either or i wore a mask and i got covid anyway so i'm just not gonna wear one anymore and all these people are in the hospital because you know this it's this concept of like immunity debt where they're like well we wore a mask so our you know our our sit like our bodies were not exposed to bacteria and therefore like that's why everyone's getting sick and it's like that's not a real thing yeah. like there is scientific research that has backed up the idea that you don't have a lack of exposure to bacteria just because you're wearing a mask because it's everywhere like we're exposed to that stuff all the time and the reason that we have this increase like there's a lot of people who have theories that the reason we have so many people in the hospital right now is because so many kids got covid and as a result have weakened immune systems and we're just not acknowledging that factor as being a huge part of why so many people are getting sick it's like it's not because we wore a mask and now our immunity is yeah not okay anymore it's like that's like not how health works <laughs> a but b like that's also not a reason to be like oh well now we're just not gonna wear a mask anymore because we have to expose ourselves to, to diseases and expose everyone else too it's like well, i don't want to get sick like let me just wear my mask and and like, don't get me sick so dumb especially because the way i got covid i got covid like end of december like right before 2022 started and my sister i don't know she was like moving so she was doing all that stuff and then she had came home and we were literally on the way to getting our booster shots and one of her like tests had come back and it was like you are COVID positive and like we were sitting in the car unmasked on the way to the appointment and I was like well I did everything I could do like we were our contained bubble it's like everybody in my house we didn't go anywhere like without our mask anything and so I got it. So like, I definitely have heard people like, oh, well, I wear a mask and I didn't get sick. Like, well, that's good for you, but that is not how the general population nor how germs work. Germs do not avoid you because they're like, oh, we've tried once and it didn't work. So we're not going to try again. Germs do not care. They keep going regardless. No, exactly. And I think it's so interesting because like people make these arguments, but it's like maybe... Maybe just like don't like this whole idea where they're like, well, I got COVID once and it wasn't that bad. It's like, well, actually, no, because it's not just about you getting COVID once. It's like you get COVID, then you spread it to other people. Exactly. And now everyone's affected. It's like like what you're saying with your family, like your mom is immunocompromised. Like if you get it, now other people are affected. Like my whole family, except for me, got COVID and I quarantined my room. I wore an N95 mask. I had the windows open and miraculously I didn't get it. But I think there's this problem where people tie morality to like doing the right things with COVID. And it's like COVID doesn't care. <laughs> COVID doesn't care about like whether you're doing the right thing or not. You know, like it's a virus, no, like what yeah. you're saying. Like it's not, you know, the germs are not gonna be like, oh, well, you've been following the rules, so not gonna infect you. Like it doesn't work that way. And so you can take precautions, right? And those precautions are to protect yourself and to protect others. And like we should do those things collectively to make a community that's safer. But like it's not like, you know, we can't just be like, oh, well, I did everything right, so 
I'm not going to get yeah. it. Like, it doesn't work like that. And we can't blame people. Or, or, like, there's often this rhetoric of, like, oh, well, what did you do wrong? Like, where did you go? Like, what happened? And yeah. it's like, yeah, we can speculate what happened, but nothing is going to be foolproof. And, you know, if we have a culture of people who are not really caring, who are continuing to go out even when they're sick, when they're, you know, knowingly infecting people, like, we're never going to get out of, of that being, like, the constant reality. Yeah. And I think, well, I'll say on campus, there's this perception that, of like the frat flu and that's what everyone believes their sickness is like oh it's because i was in a dirty basement all night i was like well for one that doesn't help and then two we're still going to class and not getting tested like i'm not understanding like when i got sick i was in my room panicking i was like okay let me take these covid tests i have and make sure it's not that first before i do anything else because i was like if i give somebody covid i would feel like trash i was like that's awful. And, like, my sister gave it to me, and it was completely accidental, and she didn't, like, we just didn't know. Right. But, like, I stayed in my room the whole time, and, like, my like my dad would have to deliver meals to my door, and my mom couldn't even, like, go near where I was. Right. And that brings up the point of, like, what are we doing on campus to support people to not leave their room? Exactly. Like, really not a lot, because it's, unless you go to quarantine where they tell you to quarantine, you know, in Suffolk, like, you're not, or Nassau, sorry, you're not getting those those resources or those materials like i can't tell you how many people have texted me and been like how can i get a COVID test like where can i get a COVID test and i'm like well you could go to student health services and get a pcr but like the idea of like getting having rapid tests like easily available for students so or like when you come to campus like you get a couple so you have them on hand like i have three or four on hand that i've accumulated from like reporting when they've been sending them out through usps but not everybody does that not everybody has like access to those types of things so like if you don't even have access to those tests like how could you or you don't have someone who can bring you meals. Like, how are you going to reasonably quarantine or reasonably, like, keep other people yeah. safe or yourself safe? It's just not really, it's not adding up yeah, how we're supposed possible. to do that. And I think that also brings up this new tower isolation policy that we have. Uh, there are, like, four different blocks that are an hour each where it's like, if you go in the bathroom during this time, you may be in the presence of someone who has tested positive. And unmasked. Yeah, and they're allowed to be in there unmasked. And it's like, okay, that's nice that they can leave their room to go to the bathroom and shower. I think those are vital things for a person, but also that's not fair to me that now I either have to avoid the bathroom at this time or figure out some way to clean the bathroom after those times to make sure that there are no like living vectors on surfaces. The other, there's this argument that's often made in response to that where it's like, well, COVID doesn't live on surfaces. And it's like, okay, fine, but it's in the air. And what are we doing to ventilate that space to change it between the 30 minute window when someone was in there, COVID positive unmasked. And when I go in five minutes later to take a shower and have to take my mask off. Like there, the thing that I'm really struggling with is like, okay, like if you're going to make the argument that it's going to be clean more often, okay, fine, clean it. But that doesn't really address the issue that the, the air itself is not getting cycled out, right? Yeah. Like we're not doing anything to address the way that it's spreading. And I just think like I get the idea that we should, you know, people should feel comfortable when they're isolating. Like, you know, if you live in a single, I get like not wanting to leave yes. and uproot your, uproot your life because that's really isolating, whatever. I get that. At the same time, like students who live in towers did not choose to live in a tower with the impression that they would be, you know, exposed to people with COVID in the back. Like, I knew, like, as someone who's high risk, like, I'm probably going to be encountering and interacting with people who are positive, right? Like, that's just a reality of being on a campus where we don't take COVID precautions, really. But at the same time, like, I didn't think it was going to be like that, where, like, people who are 
COVID positive knowingly could go unmasked in the same place that I would go. And it sucks because it feels like they, that's not like my safety and my concerns are not the thing that's being considered or being thought of. Right, making like they're policies. not at the front. And we're like, I know there's the understanding that like, we're not like, you shouldn't shame someone who is positive. Cause right. We don't know how they got it. Right. I can't say how they got it. Right. But also it's not shaming, but also you need to learn to protect like the collective whole. Right. Like you, you're a COVID positive. You need to go to this area because you are right. the, like the main one being affected right now instead of trying to delocalize affecting to everyone. Right. And I think like, you know, there's a lot of like legitimate criticism of how isolation housing has been. But I think there's ways in which like we could improve the isolation housing itself to allow people to have access to like talking to other people like going outside or something like that versus let's put all the people with COVID back in the dorms yeah. <laughs> with everyone else. I was in isolation housing, what, the beginning of sophomore year because I was like, please, I need to stay on campus because like, I couldn't do my work at home. I can't do those labs right. at home, so I had to stay on campus. They're like, okay, you can come to campus and you'll stay in quarantine housing for a week and then you'll get released. And yes, there are a lot of issues with quarantine housing. I will not say that. Like mine, I was in C-square. That's when they were still doing C-square housing and like didn't have a microwave, didn't have a fridge. Sometimes the meals were cold and it was just like me stuck in this barren room for four days. And then when I did finally take like my test to get out, it took so long for them to like get back to me to say that you're not po like even when I got the negative result they're like oh you can't leave until you get an email saying you've been released that's right and so I had to stay in the room for an extra like four or five hours and get charged another meal and oh then I got, I got to leave like right after the meal showed up so I was like so I just got charged money for this. and here's my other thing because why are we charging people for meals when they're sick in an isolation housing like I know it's like sort of like a funny thing on TikTok where like people especially like in the last few years when people have been in isolation housing at other universities are like here's what I got with my $70 from USC and it's like you yeah. know it's like silly and whatever but it's also like but yeah like why isn't the university giving us money to get meals or like why aren't they providing those meals for us if we're sick and like why aren't the options of meals things that we would want when you're sick like soup why is it like a sandwich or like a salad like that's yeah, not like my options were like cold quinoa and like fish or something <laughs> if i didn't have steak and i was like i don't eat meat or like i don't eat red meat so and like that's the other problem, though. right? Like, because that's just, that's a symptom of the bigger issue of, yeah. like, not having options on campus to eat if you have dietary restrictions. But, like, if you're sick, like, could you at least maybe give an option or give us a gift card so we can buy our own food? Yeah, and, like, they wouldn't allow you to get food deliveries either. So you're, like, I know people got in trouble for leaving to get food, but it's, like, if you're only offering three different options and all the options are bad, it's either starve or break the rules. So right. obviously the system is what's broken. Like, why couldn't there have been a system where, like, at C-Square, for example, like, there could have been, like, someone whose job it was to sit there and receive deliveries. Like, instead of trying to use our, our campus catering, which clearly wasn't working and was not meeting the needs of most students, like, why wouldn't we have just adapted to do it in a way that makes more sense and that reflects what other universities were doing? Like, I don't... I don't really understand why that decision was made, and I don't think that it was one that served most students. Yeah, and I know students complained about it heavily, and yeah. I don't think we ever really got a real answer as no. to why. So I know people are still upset about Right. And that's why people aren't reporting that they're positive. Exactly. Which, so it's like we have 
issues in the system and then it's coming back and affecting everyone else because you don't want to report that you're positive well then that just kills right. everybody else in the chain right and there's no incentive to do that like what do you gain by reporting that like unless you yourself have some sort of like you know <laughs> feeling of like oh i feel bad if like other people get it or i feel bad yeah. if like i don't say something like there's no incentive like the university has effectively made it so that like reporting it creates all of these issues and all of these things that like you want to avoid, so why would you say anything? I just think it's, it's really difficult for me to imagine that. And it's also hard because people don't want to, like, go get tests at student health services because, like, I was told by people in student health services, like, I have asthma, right? So, like, mm -hmm. I had a cold and I was, like, coughing and I knew it wasn't COVID because I'd gotten tested. But, like, I wanted to go and just make sure. And they were telling me, they were like, don't tell them that you think you have COVID because if you do, they'll put you in, in housing, yes. in quarantine housing immediately. Like, people at student health services are telling me that. So, I'm like, oh, like, I'm scared now that they're going to put me in quarantine housing because I need to get a COVID test just to rule it out. Like, that doesn't help students at all especially if you have employees telling people that yeah and that goes back to like the shame thing like why yeah. are we shaming people for being positive exactly. we should be like actually thanking them for trying to be so proactive like i know and that happened for them. yeah i know that happened to will like he had a covid scare a couple like i think like two weeks ago or something and he went to student health and there was like please do not come in here and say that you think you might have covid because it's going to be so many issues and then i was like He's like, well, I don't want to get anybody sick. Like, Will's a very visible person on campus. He has right. to go to so many meetings. He's like, right. I cannot have COVID. I need to make sure it's not. Can you help me? And they're just being so roundabout about it. That's ridiculous. I just think it's frustrating that, like, we can't... Because I think, you know what? I think there's a way in which we can have universities function. We can have universities not have mask mandates. But we need to put in other initiatives to, like, counteract that. So for example, like when they took away masks originally, there was this like attempt to increase the amount of testing, although the testing was never comprehensive, right? But there was an attempt, right, to do that. And I think that that was like something that made sense to me. I was like, okay, if we take away masks, then let's test everybody more frequently so yes. we can see if COVID is spreading. And if it is, let's put the mask back on. Like to me, those types of things make sense. Like if you take away something, you need to put something else in to counteract what that's causing. And so with what you're saying there of like, if the people at student health don't want you to report like why would you then report like we need to have robust resources for students so they actually feel like they can do that thing like to, to can go out and and be in, in on campus and not have to wear masks and everything like you can't just do that and then tell people not to report covid tests or not to get covid tests you know like you can't do you can't have both is what i'm trying to say yes. like you can't not have any precautions and then also have like a system that's failing students when they try to use resources that you supposedly are going to give them and i know we only really moved away from the mask and everything because the school was like well every other school is moving away like they're done okay <laughs> new york was also the epicenter of the pandemic at the beginning don't you think we should be a little bit more vigilant as yeah. A place, we're right next to New York City. New York City has millions of people in it. They could come on this train, go wherever on Long Island so quick. Right. Like, even when monkeypox started, again, it started in places that have tons of people. New right. York City. Thankfully, when monkeypox started, the queer community really aligned themselves. They're like, we cannot let this get bad. Right. And they're like, everybody's going to test. Everybody's going to get vaccinated. Please, please be safe. Please, please, right. please. And they were pushing that, pushing that, pushing that. I feel like we've lost the edge on like pushing people to be safe. Like the most we have is their like mass dispensers in the student center and in some buildings. But even then it's just like, 
those fade into the background and there's right. there's no more signs that are like please stay safe right and i think it's rough because it's like for me especially as someone who's immunocompromised that i'm going into spaces and i'm like okay so i'm not being considered here and it was a really difficult thing for me and like something like you know i got i had to talk about this a lot in therapy where i was like i feel like the university should care about me. Like as a student, like why is my perspective and my safety not valued as much as the next person? And it's something that's really difficult that I think like this public health crisis and the failures of our institutions in response has like just sort of reiterated and reinforced for disabled people that like we don't matter. And I think that's what the university doesn't realize. They're telling us every single day yes. when we are in these, there's these huge massive gatherings and these huge massive events. And there's not even one sort of acknowledgement that like COVID is still here or like maybe we should wear a mask if we're going to host something with like a hundred people or more than that. I think the only acknowledgement I received this year is I signed up to go to a formal and they're like, please upload a picture of your vaccination status and like make sure you have the second booster. Okay. And I think that's, yeah, that's like one of yeah. eight large events I've been to where they've acknowledged that COVID is still an issue. Yeah. And I really feel like we should definitely, at the bare minimum, be having people show their vaccination status that yeah. they at least got one or hopefully right. two boosters. And it's rough because like to some degree, like we've sort of gotten to a point where people are like, well, you know, being vaccinated doesn't prevent you from getting COVID. And I think that's true. Like, you know, you can yeah. be vaccinated and still spread COVID and absolutely. But I do think like, why can't we make testing more of like a culture on our campus? Like, why couldn't we just be like, oh, in order to come to this huge formal or this huge like event happening, like you have to provide a negative test, like 72 hours between 72 hours before the event. Like why, if we had the services and the resources available to students to like do that easily, and we made that more of a normal thing, I think that like that would be fine. Like I think people would be willing to do it as long as it was like easily accessible to them and something that we like made more common. Cause even like what you were saying before, like we are making our decisions supposedly based off what other universities are doing, but it's like most universities were testing every student every week or like yes. every few weeks. We never did that. We, never did. we tested like a small percentage of the student population. Yeah, our surveillance testing, which I think the last time I got surveillance tested was spring of my sophomore year. Wow. I don't think I've been... I kept getting paid for surveillance testing and I was like, girl, like I don't have COVID. Like yeah. I am the least likely person to have COVID because I am wearing an N95 mask or a KN95 mask everywhere I go. That I couldn't get COVID, but mm -hmm. it was like, please the people that are like going into the city all the time, who are going to concerts unmasked, who are going to these sporting events and like really like, you know, more likely to be, to be exposed or test everyone. Like yeah. I had a really big issue with that because I was like, I don't, this doesn't make me feel safe, you know, like. This silly little small group of people that are getting tested, like, that doesn't Yeah, it was, help. what, like, 10%? Yeah. But then at my friend's school, they're like, no, we have to all get tested once a week, and if you right. don't get tested, you're not allowed to go to class. Yeah, like, you get swipe access to places. And I think, like, if you're not willing to invest in, like, unfortunately, consequences, like, people are not going to do it, because clearly, as we're seeing, when there's no incentive and you disincentivize people to do it they're not going to there's so few people who are continuing to mask and continuing to care and it sucks because it's like even things like having virtual events or like yes. having zoom options everyone's like oh we don't want to do that like we don't we don't want to have that like we don't want to talk about COVID anymore because it's like we're tired of it and it's like sorry like i'm tired of it too but like yeah. i can't be tired you of can't it. turn it off like you right. can't turn off being immunocompromised like that's just like sorry i'll just tell my lungs to work again exactly. thanks thanks guys it's like the whole everybody wants everything to be convenient but yeah. it's convenient for who 
And yeah. like, who are you ignoring when you want it to be convenient for you versus convenient for everybody? Exactly. And I think like, you know, there are ways in which we can take actions, right? Because like, I, I don't think that the burden of the public health crisis should be on individual people, but also right. like, there's ways in which like, we can move meetings outside more often, right? Or like, I don't know why the tents are gone, but like, that was a cool way to like have spaces outside to congregate. There's ways where we can like ask people to test more before like events, or we could ask people to mask during events and like staying home when we're sick. Like there's things that we can tangibly do. We shouldn't have to do those like on our own. It shouldn't have to be like a small minority of people doing them, but there are things we can do to keep like our communities safe and like our groups of friends safe and our like student organizations safe. But it sucks because it's like, you know, Professors can't tell students, oh, like, please, like, I'm going to mandate masks in my classroom because I'm immunocompromised. Like, yeah. they're not allowed to do that. Like, they can request, right? But people will still not wear them. And I think it's hard, like, to put that burden on someone who's immunocompromised or high risk to constantly go in a space and be like, can you please put on a mask for me? It's like, well, I already feel like you don't care about me. Yeah. And now I'm, like, asking you to do something more. I think there's ways we can do more collective care and we're just ignoring them. Definitely. I think it starts with like asking administration to do more too because if it's just students asking students I feel like we're not going to get as far as we could if like administration was backing people and right. saying like no these measures actually do work. Like if we, we need do, to do them. Yeah, if we do them there's a less likely chance that we'll be back into a place we were like in 2020. Right. That was a whole issue is that COVID was like discovered in 2019, but then everybody's like, oh, it's not gonna come here. It's not gonna come in, and even if it does, we'll be all right. And then look what happened. Like, we are here now as a result of our own incompetence and wanting things to be convenient and not wanting to change. So I think, like, we've already had to change it once, and you wanna change it, like, you're trying to change it back too fast. Because people are, people are tired and they don't wanna do it anymore. And I don't think that that's, you can't just, like, ignore a problem. You can't just put your, you know, your head in the sand and decide yeah. that it's over. And that's what's happened, right? Like overarchingly across the country like the president has done it the administrations of most universities have just decided that it's over and it's like it's not <laughs> like you can't yeah, just like, like i can't just say the sky is green yeah it's changed from a pandemic to an endemic like endemics are ongoing they're right. persistent there are things that are going to stay around for a while there are people that are saying covid is like going to become like the next the flu like there are just going to be multiple strains and one is going to pop up every year right and like we're not going to know Right. And I just don't think we're there yet, even for that to happen. Exactly. But we can't just let go of these these initiatives. Like, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, we have to learn to live with COVID. It's like learning to live with COVID doesn't mean getting rid of all of the precautions. It means, okay, we're going to learn to live with wearing masks in public spaces. We're going to learn to live with testing more often. Like, we need to make those things a part of our culture, not just like abandon all of them and pretend that we can just act like it's 2018 again when it's clearly not. Yeah. And people want to say testing is this big deal. I feel like testing was the least big deal. I know. Everything we had right. to do. I was perfectly fine getting tested. I was an RSR, like, sophomore year. I was perfectly fine. Every time I got tested, I was like, there are people running it, not these doors. Yeah. Like, nothing. I was like, go ahead. You can test me. I right. want to make sure I'm safe. Yeah. So, like, I feel like testing is at least the bare minimum we could do yeah. if we don't want to adopt the masks. Even though I feel like the masks are fine. Yeah. And I, I really feel like having a mask mandate in classes wouldn't have been that bad. It's two hours. Like, you yeah. can live wearing a mask for two hours. Or at least if we're not going to have the masks, like, professors are taking away Zoom options. Why right. Why take that away for people that obviously need that? Like, right. they don't want to go to class because people are hacking up a lung, but you can't miss out on the content and 
professors are no longer uploading lectures no. or even streaming the class. Like it's right. it's not fair that there is no option for people who want to stay safe. And now everyone just has to adapt to what like yeah. regularly immune people have. Exactly. Sanjita's research and blog posts, plus all of the sources that we were looking at through over the course of this video will be linked down in the description. So please check those out if you have the time. Please read up on this. This COVID is not over in the slightest. Um, and as we go into the holiday season, maybe think about wearing a mask until you go home for Thanksgiving. I know you don't want anybody in your family to get sick. That would be very sad and very rough. For sure. Thanks for listening. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you are interested in continuing the conversation or learning more about Hofstra Center for Civic Engagement, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Hofstra CCE or visit our website at hofstra.edu backslash CCE. The beautiful music you've heard in this episode was written and composed by Ethan Tauber. The song even features the chords C, C, and E. We hope you join us again to discuss combating more of our world's most pressing challenges. And thank you for helping us spill the tea.